0: Good morning. morning. This morning we're going to read from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God, as long as you live by keeping all His decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the land our God, The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Teach them Then, when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates word of god for the people of god
1: thanks be to god
0: let's pray together Blessed Lord, who caused all holy
1: scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and hold fast the everlasting, or the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Uh, well, first, thank you all for letting me be here with you. Uh, be here with you today. Um, I've gotten to, uh, he, like I said, I've gotten to hear a little bit about More Memorial over the last few years. I've driven through Winona many, many, many times. I live in Tupelo. My family's from Clinton, so I've been through here a lot. I've seen the beautiful church from the outside, and it's great to be on the inside. And this. Sanctuary is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it's wonderful to be able to be here with y'all and, uh, and, and to, to get to know you all a little bit. Uh, you've already heard a little about my morning routine. I make my children's lunch every day before we send them off to school. Uh, I learned something the other week, though, that was a little unexpected to me. Uh, I found out that my children do not like peanut butter. I don't know how this is possible. I thought that I'd been feeding them peanut butter, but it turns out that uh, they don't like peanut butter. We had, it was some some evening a couple of weeks ago, we'd had one of those really busy days and a busy evening that led to a peanut butter sandwich supper kind of night. I would imagine that you all have had those from time to time. And I go to make the peanut butter sandwiches, I get out the creamy jiff, right, the good stuff. And I get out the bread, I get out the knife to cut the crust off the bread because that's how they like it. I'm getting ready to make the sandwiches, and my middle daughter Abigail says, "Daddy, don't use the peanut butter. I want you to use the sun butter." Y'all know what sun butter is? This is sun butter. I brought some with me here. This is sun butter. I, you may have, you may find this the next time you're at the Super Value. You may find it at the at the Walmart in Grenada. Uh, but you can buy some sun butter uh, for yourself. Sun butter is sort of like peanut butter but it's made with roasted sunflower seeds instead. So for schools now, there are a lot of peanut. The kids with peanut allergies, and so you can't send peanut butter products anymore. This is what you need so you can make a peanut butter sandwich and have an easy sandwich-making experience for you moms and dads out there and send your kids to school with a not-quite-a-peanut-butter-sandwich, a a sun-butter-sandwich. Well, this is what my girls have pretty much every day. And I felt sort of bad for them, right? I'm sending them off to school with a lesser version of the real thing. I wish they could have some peanut butter, but we want to take care of our neighbors. We're using the sun butter. But for them, they've had this every single day. It, what marks, it marks for them that mom and dad have taken care of me. They've sent me off to the, to the school with lunch. It's what they are used to eating. To them, Creamy Jif is the fake version of sun butter blew my mind, Uh, we are being formed day by day by those things that we participate in and that happen to us on a daily basis through simple things like what we eat, by the media that we consume, by our simple pattern of life, Uh, your daily commute if you're driving somewhere, the people that you're living your life with, your work, your family, all of those things are forming us every single day. There are things that we are, to use the words from Deuteronomy 6, uh, uh, observing and hearing, keeping up with, reciting with each other. And they are shaping us, forming us, even transforming us, uh, the things that we like and who we are at our very core. We are reading, marking, and inwardly digesting these things, and it becomes us. That is who we are. In the passage from uh, Deuteronomy that we read today, uh, the context is that uh, the people of Israel are preparing to go into the promised land. You probably know the story of how Israel has been brought out of Egypt. They've been through the wilderness over 40 years And through that 40-year period, they have proven themselves time and time again to not understand what God is wanting them to do, to be disobedient, to be willful and forgetful and recalcitrant and distracted. And they are now preparing to go into the promised land. Uh, If you've been reading through Deuteronomy, you've already seen that we sort of have had some fits and starts already as we're preparing to cross over the Jordan. But now, Moses is laying down for them the things that they need to know, what they need to remember as they go into the land that God has already promised them. God wants for them to be his faithful people, a people who reflect the God who raised them out of Egypt and the God who's given them a way of life that they are to have in this land that God has given them, so that they will be known and identified as God's people in the land. And so what begins here in Deuteronomy 6 is Moses laying down what that life is going to look like for them. And it begins with, uh, more or less, with this right here. Uh, We begin with um, here in verse 1. Now this is the commandment. "...the statues and the ordinances that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy." This, all that follows here, is how you are supposed to live in the land that God has promised. "...so that it would go well for them that your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and keep His decrees and commandments that I am commanding you so that your days may be long." Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently, so that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. This is the pattern of life that you need to live, right? To honor God, so that it will go well with you in the land. And it begins, all of these commandments that are to follow, pretty much the rest of Deuteronomy, begins right here. Hear, O Israel the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And then what Jesus will later say is the greatest commandment, the summary of all that's to come. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And then he goes on, to: you're going to keep these words that I'm commanding you today um, in your heart. You'll recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorpost of your house and on the gates. There are to be a people who are surrounded by these commandments that God is giving them through Moses. Their whole pattern of life is supposed to be formed by what they have heard here and what they will hear as Moses goes on to give them this whole vision of life in the promised land. Now in this passage is uh, uh, is a key prayer, right? a prayer that is central to the life of the people of God, Israel. Uh, In the same way that we Christians pray the Lord's Prayer, uh, possibly several times a day, I hope that when you pray, you pray the Lord's Prayer, they pray this prayer called the Shema that is in this uh, passage. It's verse 4, hear, O Israel the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Or some translations will say the Lord is one. That is the prayer of Israel that sums up all of the rest. Now the name for that prayer, uh, the Shema, comes from that first word. Shema means hear. Hear, O Israel. And the kind of hearing that we're talking about here is not like just, you know, sound waves hitting your ears and And then that's it, right? Uh, Or it's not just sort of in one ear and out the other. You all probably have experienced in your life that sometimes people can hear but not really listen, right? Or hear but not really hear. Um, Some of you are glancing back and forth at each other right now. I don't know what that's that's for, Uh, right? We've all experienced that, right? I've I've uh, been on both sides of that equation. the kind of hearing that's being talked about is committed attention, right? It's the kind of hearing that then calls for action in response to it. It's a transformational hearing. Hear, O oh Israel, pay attention to this. This is the most important thing. It is going to change your life. That's the kind of hearing that we're talking about. And you see that on all of the verbs that are surrounding. Here, uh, here, here! Hear, I will tell you is the second most important verb in this passage. I'll tell you what the most important one is in a little bit. What kind of hearing are we talking about? All right, leading up to verse four. Uh, here are some of the words that we've heard, uh, some of the verbs that we've heard: teach, observe, cross into, fear, keep, hear again, uh, observe, multiply. Right, the kind of hearing that we're gonna, talking about is going to lead to uh, committed attention, observing, and teaching. It's going to be their life. They're going to cross into the land. They're going to fear God, keep His commandments, observe them, and it will become the very source of their life. They will multiply together. And what's that look for them? How will they continue to hear? They're going to keep, recite, bind, fix, write. The kind of hearing that we're talking about is the kind of hearing that looks like this. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today uh, in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. This will be a people who are completely... Committed, totally. They're supposed to be a people who are completely committed, totally consumed by God's word. It's going to be, or it's supposed to be, on everything for them. As I studied this passage a couple of weeks ago with uh, my Sunday school class, uh, one of the students in the class uh, said her translation said that we would impress. These words on us. It's like we're being stamped with them so that we take the form of these words, or Israel is supposed to take the form of these words. We hear this passage where, you know, they're instructed to to write these passages down and put them on their foreheads and and write them on their hands and and all of this. We could imagine doing that in a way that's sort of like lip service, right? You want to, you can take the the Bible verse and put it on a t shirt or wear a WWJD bracelet or something like that. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad. Those are perfectly good things. But God has something more in mind than that. Uh, God has in this commandment for Israel uh, a hearing that is a total immersion in the Word of God, in the world of God, in the hope of God, in the love of God for God's people. It's not in one ear and out the other. It's to make them who they are, to stamp them, to shape them, to form them as God's people. They're supposed to be paying attention. We have a lot of things in our world that will uh, call for our attention, and some of those things are just the necessary stuff of life. We all have our daily grind, the things that we do every day that over time slowly shape us into the people that we are. But there's all kinds of other, you know, competition for our attention. I want you to hear me say, I'm not saying that any of these things I'm about to mention are necessarily bad, but I do think that we need to be aware that they are calling for our attention in particular ways. So, for example, uh, whatever sort of news program we watch, whatever your news program of choice is, uh, wants you to think in a particular way, and it's going to form you into that over time. That's true of any kind of media or television or anything like that that we watch. This is especially true of, of social media, right? Um, that uh, the whole social media uh, platforms, they want your continued attention to them. The, the more you use Facebook and Instagram or whatever it is, the better it is for Facebook and Instagram so they can show you more advertisements, so they can make more money, sell you more things, uh, and and that sort of thing, right? They want to sustain your attention. Some of y'all may know that two weeks ago there was some, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but some big outage that like caused Facebook and Instagram to go down and people didn't know what to do with themselves for like six hours, right? Because they're so formed by these things. This happened right after uh, a whistleblower at Facebook made some revelations that internal research in the company uh, has shown that um, the kinds of algorithms that they use, elevating things that are popular, have been uh, divisive politically and otherwise, because things that are controversial get more attention. And so things that are controversial uh, uh, sustain people's attention, they get to the top of people's feed, and it winds up contributing to people being argumentative and divisive from each other. Surely y'all have noticed this out there in our world as well. Also, some of the research has shown that Instagram, as reported by so teenage girls who use Instagram have uh, one third of them report that Instagram has made them feel worse about themselves. Right uh, from their own research. Right, the things that we're doing, social media is just one example. And I'm not saying it's inherently bad. Hi there to everybody on Facebook who's watching. We're glad we're using it. I will probably post a picture of Moore Memorial United Methodist Church on Facebook later today to celebrate that I was here with you guys. I'm not saying that any of that's bad. I am saying that we should be aware that our attention and our life is being cultivated in particular ways, in some ordinary, benign ways, and in some ways that may not be helpful for our discipleship, and we should be aware of those things. And we should put a lot more time and intentionality into how we are being formed by the love of God and by God's word to us. Uh, We are going to sing, are we already saying wonderful words of life today, right? Uh, In a little while we'll sing uh, standing on the promises. If we are going to be formed by words of life from the scriptures uh, from, uh, from the church, from Christ himself to us, uh, then we should focus our attention on the word of God that has come to us. In the same way that Deuteronomy 6, uh, in Deuteronomy 6, Moses tells Israel that they are to be a people who are totally immersed in, totally formed by the word of God. So let's return to Deuteronomy. Verse 4, Hero O Israel, The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Uh, I told you before that here is the second most important verb in this passage. The most important is, you can probably guess it, what do you think it is? Love, exactly, right? Our hearing is directed at forming our loves, so what we hear, what we're immersed in as we hear from God and worship and studying the scriptures together and praying that it shapes our love for God. My girls love sun butter because they have had it every day, it seems, for weeks on end. Uh, we should be aware of what's forming our loves. And some of y'all have probably heard of the, of the general rules of the United Methodist Church. Do y'all know what those are? Well, if you don't, I'll I'll tell you a little about it. As John Wesley's movement was growing, he wanted to lay down some rules for the people who were participating in the Methodist societies. How should we live? What's it look like to be a faithful disciple as a Methodist? And there's this document that he wrote called The General Rules, and it's divided up into three categories. Uh, And he, he wanted his people to do good, uh, to do no harm and attend upon the ordinances of God. Some people have tried to refresh that by saying uh, stay in love with God. That's fine, but I like to keep it the old style, right? Attend upon the ordinances of God. So going to church, taking communion, praying, reading your Bible, those are the kinds of things that we're talking about. Well, in the, in the category of do no harm, that's a kind of thing that people will occasionally use to just say anything I don't like is harm, but Wesley defines it really specifically, uh, and one of the things that he says uh, falls into the category of doing no harm is that he says we should sing only those songs and read only those books, which, uh, or that we should not, excuse me, sing those songs or read those books which do not tend to the knowledge and love of God. Now, Wesley didn't have Facebook uh, or television or anything like that, so music and books were the media of his day. And he says, we should attend to those things which cultivate God's love in us. I'm not saying we should hold that in a really legalistic way or never watch television or listen to any secular music. I I don't live by that. I don't think that's required of us. So I'm not saying we hold this really legalistically, but I do think that we need to, to hear those lines, right? What we consume, what we hear shapes our imagination and ultimately shapes what we love and how we love God. Uh, Moses would have the people of Israel, as they cross into the promised land, hear again and again and again of the Word of God so that they would know the love of God, so that they could love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, and all their might. As Jesus says, it's the greatest commandment and a summary of all of the other commandments um, and the ways that we love God and love our neighbor's As ourselves. Um, To love God is more than to have some knowledge about God. Uh, And it's more than to have mere affection for God. It's a love that binds everything together so that we become like who we love. Uh, There's a passage later in the Old Testament in Jeremiah 31 uh, that calls back to Deuteronomy 6. And And it is especially striking to me because it says that what God has in store for us, uh, what God plans for us, in fact, what God promises us is that we will be so transformed and consumed by the love of God that we won't even need to recite the love of God or the commandments of God to each other anymore or teach them to each other because they'll be written on our hearts. This is what Jeremiah 31 uh, says. Many of you will probably know this passage. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. He's talking about Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6 in particular. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. And we stand between those two passages, between Moses' words to Israel as they go into the promised land, that they're to write all these things down and live by the word of God. And this promise in Jeremiah that's fulfilled and given to us in Jesus, that God will write his very law on our hearts so that we will know in the very core of who we are, the love, the full love of God. You probably know uh, this already, but I'm going gonna... to tell you a little something about flamingos. Y'all know why flamingos are pink, right? They're pink because they eat shrimp. You know why the shrimp are pink? Because they eat this algae that's full of uh, carotenoid pigments. That's where we get the uh, the word carrot, right? It reflects that too. All right? so they eat this, this stuff that's pink, and the, the, the shrimp do, and uh, the, the flamingos eat the shrimp and some of the algae too, apparently, and they become pink, right? The the hope for us that uh, we will have God's Word written on our hearts is like these flamingos, right, who have been so consumed by God's Word and love for God that they become like what we, what they have consumed. So what we hear shapes how we love, and that becomes who we are. So my challenge for you as an individual disciple and you all for a church is to ask yourself how you are being immersed in the love of God and the promises of God through reading the scriptures individually and together, uh, through prayer, uh, through uh, attending upon all of the things that God has given to you as a church and as individuals, how are you growing and experiencing God's love? when we encounter God in the scriptures, we will grow. Um, I, have, uh, I have grown through as a Christian through my friendship with Chad. So I would say if you are uh, here with them in a study that he's doing, you're going to grow as a Christian too. And I bet that you all know people in this church that you can point to and say, that person is a great teacher. I've learned so much from them in Sunday school, or on a Bible study, or something else like that, and you have examples among you of the ways that you have seen God's love grow within you when you have been committed to growing in God's love given to us in God's Word. Where are those people for you? Who are those people for you? What have those things and practices uh, been for you? What are you writing and binding on yourself? Right. Um So it comes to the question of who we are becoming as individuals and as a church. In the New Covenant, it is Jesus who writes his very law onto our hearts. Uh, The theologian James K.A. Smith, uh, in his book, You Are What You Love, uh, says this, Jesus is a teacher who doesn't just inform our intellect, but forms our very loves. He isn't content simply to deposit new ideas into your mind. He is after nothing less than your wants, your loves, and your longings. As Methodists, we believe that God's grace is so sufficient for us that it can enable us to truly and fully love God with the whole of our hearts in this life because of what God is doing in us. John 1 tells us that the Word has become flesh and dwelt among us. And that those who have received him and believed in his name, he gave power to become the children of God, who are born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. Jesus comes to us. The word becomes flesh and lives among us, not just to give us interesting information about God, but to make us God's own children. Now tomorrow, for my children... I'm going to wake up, I'm going to stretch, I'm going to go to the kitchen, I'm going to start the coffee. And as the coffee is being made, I'm going to get the sun butter, this sun butter probably, out of my cabinet, I'm going to get out the bread, and I am going to begin to make some sandwiches that I will put in their lunch boxes, including the Anna and Elsa lunch box right here. And we are going to send them off to school with food that will nourish them. If they're lucky tomorrow, it might include a cosmic brownie, so not all is as nourishing as others. With healthy food and unhealthy food, I will send them off and they will be formed and sustained by that so they can learn and grow at school. And you tomorrow will wake up, whatever your life is and whatever your pattern of life is, and those things that you do are going to begin to form you little by little, day by day. They already are. Will you have food for the journey? Will you be formed by God's word, by God's love given to us, that we hear, that we love, and that as we love becomes in us the knowledge and love of God to make us God's own people. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the grace that you have given us in Jesus Christ to be your disciples. God, we pray that we would hear your word and that we Uh, would love your law given to us, that we would love you so that we may become your own children. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.